0: you're professing to be a christian Edgy. well of course as american citizens what we want is accountable leadership Provocative. Provocative. why don't we throw in a constitution so they know what's in there? get engaged in the political process Honest. you my friend are part of the problem and not the solution the church needs to rise rise the monica matthew show welcome back to the monica matthew show life love and liberty A.G. Garland was dragged before the House today in a hearing regarding all kinds of good stuff, not the least of which is the January 6th prisoners who are, uh, my goodness, one step above a political prisoner, although some would argue they are in fact political prisoners. It is really nuts what's happening with that case. Also talking about the border and things that A.G. Garland seemed to not be very well briefed. Uh, on, uh, before sitting before, uh, Congress today. Um, it was, uh, it was hard to listen to. So, so one of the reasons, and I'm only going to touch on this for a second because I want to get to the topic that I did not talk about last evening and I promised you we would tonight. So what struck me was when someone said, um, General Garland, uh, what is it that you what is it you think is precipitating uh this this emergence of one point two or one point six million people across our border alone this year? This year alone. Over one million people have crossed our borders. And and one of the one of the reasons he believes that we have a, a, a migration. Uh, at, at this rate, and notice he did not say crisis at all. Um, uh, migration at this rate is because one of the reasons is because of earthquakes. <laughs> so, so my takeaway today was, wow, okay. So here's someone who has really they they nailed him today. Uh, Jim Jordan did, and others regarding the politicization. Of the Department of Justice, which is really nothing new anytime the Democrats are in office, and I personally started paying attention to that during the Obama years um, it was I can go back to Lois Lerner, uh, Loretta Lynch, Susan rice, um, all of the the cast of characters that, uh, not to mention, oh, what's-his-face with the awful stash, oh, Fast and Furious, Eric Holder, all those guys. You know, when you look back at the Obama administration, one thing you can definitely take away from that is that there was a lot of uh, uh, politicization of, of I, I used to refer to it as the Department of Injustice, uh, because that's how they behaved. And so uh attorney general uh garland today was was called to the carpet for his obvious politicization of the department of justice uh weaponizing the fbi against parents that was a major point of contention today to which he did not really have uh any kind of plausible defense his his defense was simply this that's not what we're doing that's not what we're doing. We are not weaponizing the FBI. Uh, we are simply, uh, we've been asked to get involved because, uh, people have been afraid of violence. And then you had to love, you know, one of the people, uh, who's speaking today is like, Hey, you know, I want to know what you're doing. My wife is, is, is part of a, uh, one of the one of the boards, uh, education boards, and she's been threatened, and we've been threatened, and what are you going to do about that? And I thought, you know, what happened to local law enforcement? What happened to local law enforcement? When did the AG's office, when did the Department of Justice of the federal government get involved with things like school board meetings? All this is is a continued weaponization against anyone on the right. And I don't say that as some hardcore Republican. I just don't or some hardcore Trump sycophant because I'm neither of those. I'm a Christian conservative. It is very simple. And I'm a huge advocate of liberty for all and justice for all and equality for all because those things are endowed by my creator and yours. So it's very simple for me personally, how I view government, how I view systems, how I view order, how I view this world, and how I view this country, right? And our founding principles, and I go past our founding principles, and I go back to God's founding principles for man. And, and those rules are the rules by which I choose, and the lens through which I choose to see my fellow man, Myself, you know, how you see yourself largely impacts how you see the world around you, which is why I end every single show with beginning, you know, be good to your neighbor, beginning in your own mirror. And remember, if you are an American, act like one. I end every show with that. And I have since I started on radio. For the past six years of my life, I've used that ending because it matters And it's to remind you that how you see yourself, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And love has become so skewed, and the Democrats have hijacked this love narrative, the wokeism of the world, all of it rooted in envy and jealousy and bitterness and rage and accusation. And all of those principalities come out of the enemy of life and the enemy of liberty. It all comes out of his kingdom, not the kingdom of liberty and life. And so the criminalization continues in this country for people uh, like myself, That, that is the ultimate goal in this Department of Justice. For me, for others who speak truth to lies in love, right? And we've had so, we've had 12 years now of massaging the American psyche to believe that the, the arrow on the milk carton is not up. And that if you even refer to milk as milk, then you're being insensitive to the people who oppose milk and who are who have sensitive systems to anything, dairy, and, and damn you, you should you should stand for the people who who are for almond milk. What are you? Some kind of a milk racist? Are you a milk rot Nazi now? Oh, you probably only like white milk because you're white. Do you see how nuts this conversation can go? And I, th- if you're not following me on LinkedIn, you should. There's a brilliant, and I'm talking brilliant, article on my LinkedIn page that I borrowed from a buddy of mine uh, that was written about wokeism. You have got to go there and read it. It is phenomenal. It is the best piece of literature, the best explanation I have seen ever on the issues in the in the the rudimentary just annihilation of all individualism of all order and sanity and and from whence this this whole paradigm comes right through the social media movement it is you've got to go read it, I cannot. Uh, impress upon you enough how important that is to your reading and have your kids read it. If you're teachers, I would highly, professors, I highly encourage you to download this piece and allow your students to read this. Send it home with them for their parents to read it. This is so sober. It's such a sober piece of, of informative science. It is a human science piece is what it is. And it, and it takes you to the social media platforms and what it's done to the psyche of the world as it pertains to how we relate to one another. And speaking of relating, that's where I'm going with this conversation this evening. So, so you can concern yourself with the weaponization of a DOJ. You can hide in your bunkers. You can quit speaking truths. You can be afraid. But as someone who's out here on the front line speaking truth, I would encourage you to continue to lock arms and stand. And you can do that without being violent, without being hateful, and without being fearful. You have to resist by first submitting to God. You resist the devil in order. You don't attempt to resist that kingdom in your own flesh, in your own strength. It doesn't work that way. You submit to God and by doing that, you automatically come under the protection of God. It does not mean you will not be persecuted. It does not mean you will not have a target on your social media account or on your bank account or on your family. Or on your bumper stickers or your flags or the fact that you stand for the anthem or the fact that you're from the south or you know you happen to a hashtag seventeen seventy six or whatever it is that has that is that is rapidly becoming criminalized listen, you got to love this for a criminal justice system that refuses refuses to implement a federal um a federal gang statute, criminal gang statute, refuses to do it right. So RICO is about the only thing that you can normally go after this criminal gang element on, and crossing, cross pollinating across state lines and racketeering, you know what all that is. And so it is maddening for someone who sees the the nexus between all of it on a state level, state-to-state state level, uh, for international level, right? The criminal gang element is, is, is an international movement. It's an international syndicate. But here in the United States of America, we have millions of these people and millions more now pouring over our borders, and that is not hysteria. That is not fear. That is not anti-immigration. That is not anti-foreigners at all. There's nothing phobic about what I just stated. It is an actual fact. And with the Department of Justice of the Obama years, they stopped with the with 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 taking uh, statistics of any kind around these young men and the crimes that they were committing, and for whom, and where, and when, and why, with regard to syndication of crime. So it's funny to me that. Now the big brouhaha of the left is that these, these prisoners, over 600 people, and however many of them are actually in jail, uh, still in jail, still in jail. Some of these folks are still in prison who have not had uh, a day in court and may not have one for another year or so. They're still there. They've not been charged with a felony. These are misdemeanors. We're, no one has been charged with sedition or insurrection or treason for that matter. No one. No one, not one person. But now the big brouhaha that I'm seeing on the left with CNN reporters and whatnot is this, that somehow, because they're all singing the national anthem, I want you to hear me clearly, because this is the target that's on you for being a patriotic, uh, constitutionally bound American. This is the target that's on you, and you're going to have to make a decision. You're going to have to make a decision for liberty or oppression, and you can do that peacefully. You can do that, but there's going to be a risk. I tell you that almost every night on my show. There will be an inherent risk associated with you taking a stand and you resisting the tyranny that is currently upon us. It is going to cost you. So it'll cost you something. So this Department of Justice and CNN and others, because they all work in tandem, speaking of crime syndicates. So they all work in tandem with their narrative shaping, right? So these guys who are singing the national anthem every night in the prison, this has become like a nightly thing where they're all in this particular cell area, right? Of, of wherever they're being held in DC. And they sing the national anthem nightly. I think it's like nine thirty every night. And now CNN is running with this concept of, of which we know, we know this happens that criminals become even bigger and wider and deeper criminals in prisons, right? Uh, through, um, through being, um, initiated into gangs primarily. But now they're, now they're running with the narrative that these guys are becoming more radicalized while they're sitting in prison, waiting for hearings on misdemeanors and radicalized. It, you are now a radical for singing the national anthem. I mean, it's amazing. Or the proud boys who are in there are apparently, you know, initiating even more people. Uh, because that's how prison life works, right? So whether it's the Muslims or it's the Christians or it's the Hare Krishnas or it's, you know, the MS-13 guys, uh, you know, the Latino gang, what, what whatever, the Asian gangs, you know, everybody has like a tribe in prison that they want to belong to. Well, apparently, if you're a patriot, you are now part of a tribe that is hereby considered extreme and dangerous, by singing the national anthem. And by singing the national anthem, and by all of them being able to communicate with one another and fellowshipping around patriotism. Now, I don't know what they're talking about. I'm not part of these groups. I have no idea. But let's just safely assume that they're all talking about maybe there's some of the guys that just the doors were open for them, is what we're seeing now in the 14,000 hours of security tape. Maybe these are some of the dudes who are like, well, damn. We had no idea what we were about to get rolled up in, and we and we rolled up on the Capitol not to destroy anything or hurt anybody, but we went to the Capitol along with thousands of other people, and we walked through the doors because the doors were opened by law enforcement, and now here we are nine months later sitting in a prison cell. And so, hey, buddy, how are you? Yeah, I served you know, my country. I, I can hear how some of those conversations may actually go. Can you believe we're sitting here right now? You know, I served in Vietnam or I served uh, in this war. I served in the cold. I served this and had no idea that waving a flag and showing up at the Capitol and walking through the rotunda like a legitimate, you know, uh, uh, visitor. Only thing missing with some of those dudes were visitor badges. I'm short of the Capitol police handing out visitor badges. I mean, you watch some of that footage and you're like, what the heck? Wow. I mean, this is mind blowing. And so now these folks are being even more criminalized, as if that's possible, for singing the national anthem. So, yes, ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to stand for America, you are going to be at risk at becoming a target. Because that is the country in which we live currently. I'm very sorry to say that. It does not make me happy. I'm not trying to radicalize you. I'm not trying to make you fearful or hysteria. This is not some secret call of the wild. You know, none of that. I, I say what I mean. I mean what I say. I'm very straightforward. You know that if you've listened to me for any length of time. I think it is a tragedy what is happening. It is vile. It is filthy. It is demonic. It is disgusting. It is disgusting, the accusation, the spirit of accusation that rests over this country right now. And I'm going to tell you something. Speaking of relationships, I want you to pay attention to something in your personal relationships because right now it's happening. It's happened recently in my business relationships and my friendships with both men and women. There is a severe case of, of radical, crazy, demonic accusation that rests over this land right now. And all of those things begin in the spirit. Every bit of it begins in Ephesians 6 and 12. You're dealing with wickedness and powers in high places and principalities. Okay. And so right now, the assignment that's been loosed over this earth is constant accusation against one another. Against this administration, against the election of last year, against uh, innocent people, against guilty people, against God, against your neighbor, against our enemies, against the border, against this, and so against the supply chain, against the last guy, against the next guy. And all of that is accusation. And when you start aligning with that spiritually, what you do is you open doors. You open portals in the spirit realm. I want you to start paying attention to your personal relationships and whether or not you find yourself in the middle of constant misunderstanding constant offense constant unforgiveness and bitterness anger wrath vindication revenge do you find yourself in that if you do pay attention to your words, pay attention to what you're aligning with politically as well. Pay attention to what you're tweeting, pay attention to what you're posting, pay attention to your conversations. And at the end of every day, I do go back through my day and I'm like, okay, wherever I have agreed with the enemy in, in accusing someone, in accusing someone, um, whether it is, you know, because it's very easily, you're very it's very easy for you to cross that line between calling something as it is and then falling over into a spirit of accusation where you what I mean by that is the accusation could be true. But if you're harboring bitterness and resentment toward the person that actually is guilty of that of said offense, right? Like right now, this administration is allowing our country to be invaded. That, I mean, that's just the bottom line. And Democrats, independents, and Republicans can all see that. So we see that our borders are open. Everyone who's been to the border tells you that the borders are open. People who are still on the border. There are militiamen down there right now who are simply trying to keep residents safe. They not; they don't have the power to arrest people. There's no violence. No one is restraining anyone. But they are trying to keep the residents of bordering towns and cities safe. And they have committed to not leave said towns until something is done about the migrants coming through ad nauseum. So right there, there's a lot of anger and wrath in people's hearts and and, and minds. And you know what? Rightfully so. Because your rights are being trampled, the nation's being invaded, our Constitution's being molested, and no one's doing a damn thing about it other than making sure that people who are singing the national anthem are put away for life over a misdemeanor. And that if you're tweeting or you're posting something that involves anything pro-America, that you too are being flagged. And you too could be visited by the FBI if you go to your local school board meeting, God forbid, and you actually alert your school board to the fact that maybe your child was anally raped in the bathroom, which in fact happened in Loudoun County. And the father was arrested because of that communication. Unbelievable. That could be you. It could be you that shows up at your Board of Education meeting, and maybe you talked too long, or maybe they didn't like your tone. Maybe they didn't like what you said, right? Maybe they didn't like your your face mask that says that this mask is as useless as Joe Biden. And now, bam, all of a sudden, your name, your address, you get a knock on the door at 9 p.m. at night from the FBI. And, you know, I got to believe something. I just do. I have to believe that there are awesome men and women in these agencies who are like, what the hell are we doing? I have to believe that. I just do because I refuse to believe that every man and woman who's, who's showing up at people's doors in the middle of the night, who have literally people, parents who are concerned about their kids. And these guys got a tip, see something, say something. You know, the patriot hunters.org, you know, those guys and these guys are, are, you know, they got to man up and gun up and show up at your door, scare the living hell out of everyone in your house. Because you said something maybe tersely or, you know, crosswise, and you scared somebody on the Board of Education, uh, you know, at your school board meeting, rather, you scared them. And when I see stuff like that, I'm just going to tell y'all, I'm not at all, I, I had people contact me last year, who gave me cell phone numbers of people, addresses of folks who were doing all kinds of crazy wrong here in the state of Georgia, And they could not wait for me to dox these people. And I'm like, are you insane? I have had that happen to me. So no way in hell am I about to dox someone for you or for anyone else. Absolutely not. I'm not Maxine Waters. I don't call for you to get into people's faces whenever they're out and about and go show up and belligerently verbally abuse people. It's not right, it's not decent, it's unnecessary, it's out of order. So I do not encourage you to do that. And if I did, you could bet your bottom dollar there'd be somebody at my door at 9 p.m. at night asking me questions. Guaranteed. So I don't do that, A, because it's not who I am. And thank God my character is... Uh, what it is by the grace of God whenever it comes to decency and how treating people, how I would want to be treated. And let me tell you, if there was, if I was ever going to dox one of these people that I was asked to dox, this person would have been the doxed, but it never crossed my mind that it would be okay to do that. No, thank you. I don't want any part of that, not to mention it's illegal. And if it's not, it should be in your state. It's It's a horrible practice. You do not have the right to show up and harass someone at their home, ever. I don't care who you think you're doing it for. I don't, I don't care what, what candidate, what presidency, what DOJ. You have no right to show up at someone's house and harass them and terrorize them. Or whenever they're out in a bathroom, at a restaurant, in a movie theater, they're out with their kids. Are you nuts? I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. That is ridiculous. And it should be handled as criminal behavior. And it is awful. And I have had it done to me. So I do not practice that. And I would encourage you that if you're ever incited to do that, don't even think about it. Just turn it off. Turn away. I digress. So we are living in times when you have to pay attention to your relationships, right? And so again, here I am. (laughs) This was just supposed to be this fun, lighthearted discussion about dating. And so I am going to switch gears because we can have a fun, lighthearted conversation. It's not even really just about dating, but it's all relationships. And so my life is, my life is, I love it. Well, actually my life is single, but it's widowed. But my show is life, love, and liberty. So we've already covered the liberty component, right? But where your relationships are okay, you're going to find love and you're going to find liberty. And something I've told some very close people to my heart recently, we're all busy. We all, th- we all have things going on, right? And some people are stretched way more than others. And their bandwidth is just toast. And they don't have a lot to give, right? And they want to. And they want to be able to spend time with the people they love and they care about. But there are just things that preclude them from being able to do so. For me personally, my relationships are the number one capital I have in my life. Number one capital. They're my number one investment in terms of uh, my time spent with people in the way of words. Maybe it's not physicality. I've been on the road all year long until just a few months ago. So I haven't had a lot of time to spend with my friends on the phone or otherwise, but maybe I'll shoot a text. And thank God my friends are the types that are, you know, If we don't see each other for five years, we pick up exactly where we left off. But I really want to drive something home tonight with regard to fellowship and relationships. Many of you are disgruntled with the church, and I understand. Many of your churches are still cowards, and they will not open their doors because of COVID. That I do not understand. And I would never want to be a part of a church that is that afraid of a disease whenever God told us in his Bible on more than one occasion in his word, That he came to forgive all of our sins and to heal us of all of our diseases. And that includes man-made crap. That includes bioweapons. That includes the flu. That includes the common cold. That includes cancer. That includes being lame and blind and deaf and dumb and mute. These are all the things that Jesus walked through the earth and healed. And so did his disciples, coincidentally. Some of you believe that miracles left, you know, when the last apostle died. I do not believe that because the Holy Spirit is still very much so alive. So I'm not going to denounce the fact that God is still on the throne. His spirit is still in the earth. And if you're a believer and his spirit dwells in you and you've been given the gift of healing and miracles, then in fact, you can operate in that gift of healing and miracles. And woe be unto the people, according to the word, who deny the power thereof. You are told to steer clear of those people. And maybe it's because their faith is really weak at this point in time, and maybe God will show up and have mercy and show them his power. I don't know. Maybe their Aunt Lily will you know, sit up at the funeral, and everybody will have a holy crap moment, and then they'll believe. I don't know. But I stay away from people who do not believe in the power of God. You know why? Because they wear you down with all their doubt and unbelief. They're the yeah butters. My former pastor, my late pastor used to call them the yeah but Christians. You know, you tell them something and they're like, yeah, but you know, and I remember being that Christian, which is why I have mercy for Christians who are that way, because there was so much, um, trauma and stuff from my, from my youth that I, I had a very hard time receiving that God was not interested in my performance, that he just loved me. And some of you struggle with that too, speaking of relationships, right? And when we struggle with whether or not God loves us, it's really difficult for us to believe that other people, that people could love us. And it's usually the people who should have loved us, who failed us, that we end up putting God's you know, head on them or their head on God. And every relationship from that point forward suffers. in the the primary relationship that suffers is the one that you have with yourself. And I know this from firsthand experience, and I know it because of the countless people I've ministered to who have had the same experience. So all healing begins with relationship. The word stripes in the scripture that says, by his stripes we are healed. We were healed. We are healed. Some people believe you are being healed, which is a uh, present progressive term. But we, we are healed by his stripes. The stripes, when you get down to the fundamental, the etymology of that word, what you find is that it means fellowship. Isn't that awesome? So it's like by Christ's fellowship with God and the Godhead and our fellowship with him, we are healed. It is through Jesus' fellowship with the Godhead and his sacrifice and what he did and the fact that he sits on the mercy seat. And God promised he would heal us through his son, through the broken body of Christ. Our sins are washed through the blood. Our diseases are healed through the broken body. Right? And diseases sometimes, especially in relationships, are founded upon things like shame and guilt, confusion, rage. Envy, jealousy, fear, all those awesome, you know, lower level characteristics of the fallen man. Accusation, blame, misunderstanding. If you're constantly having misunderstanding with people in your life, that is a spiritual issue. That is a spiritual assignment. And maybe you have created a personality of suspicion And so you automatically look for it. Your mind and your eyes, that is actually, you know, I talked about this years ago on my radio program. There was a legislator here who got into a bit of hot water because she was in a grocery line and she happens to be a black lady. And this was on the heels of like, I think black lives matter had just started with all of their stuff in different cities. And she, um, got in the face of this gentleman in a grocery line who she completely mischaracterized to the news, but she thought that, you know, he was he was being the way he is because he's a he's a, a Republican Trump supporter because he was white. And the dude ends up being like a Hispanic guy, like he's a Latino, he's a Democrat, you know, I mean, it's really bad look for this legislator. And um, she doubles down, of course, because people are either going to own it or they're going to double down. And she was very publicly embarrassed and shamed. And uh, I remember talking about it for a while. Of course, people are aghast because I'm the white girl and I'm not supposed to talk about race, uh, race issues. And I don't talk about race issues. I talk about ethnicity issues. I talk about cultural issues because there's only one race. So this lady doubles down. And something led me to study this phenomena of the brain, of the actual wiring of your brain, right? I love neuroscience. My daughter was a neuroscience minor and a narrative studies major. She's brilliant. And we talk a lot about this stuff whenever she was in college. And um, in the brain, actually, whenever you have trained your brain to look for something, like I said earlier in our conversation, if it's a fence you're looking for, you're going to find it. If it's someone uh, backstabbing you and you're looking for that, you're going to find it. If it's misunderstanding, you're going to find it. If it's jealousy, envy, uh, envy, covetousness, idolatry, you're going to find it. Whatever your eyes are looking for, your mind is already set to it, you're going to find it. And so I talked about this on my show, and thankfully I didn't get any blowback about it just because she's black and I'm white. I was making the point. I was actually, in, in kind of a way, I, was, I wasn't defending her, but I was making the case for her, actually, that her past that I did a little bit of investigation on um, revealed that this wasn't the first time that she had had a misunderstanding of this nature with someone um, who she perceived as white. This wasn't the first run-in or verbal altercation that she had had with someone publicly over this. And, And these things were chronicled, right? And so I was like, huh, that's interesting. So this happened before BLM picked up and all of that. So clearly this is a part of her psyche. And then if you dug just a little bit further, what you realized was that she, matter of fact, I think she may have doubled down there was a shooter, and I can't remember who it was. I thought it may have been the Jesse Smollett case, but it wasn't Jesse Smollett. It was there was a shooter who oh I cannot remember, but he I think he was a white shooter, actually. Uh, but th- but he was from a from a foster care system. And this young woman revealed that she was two. And so she was making the case. It, for him, not excusing the fact that he had, I think he had shot up a church or something or killed people. I don't recall the details. My apologies. But she was making the case that she understood how someone got to that point whenever they have been alienated and ostracized and they've gone through the system of foster care. So I connected all of these dots for this young woman and I thought to myself, that's interesting. Well, of course. Her identity was something that was never shaped. Her relationships were never shaped in safety, right? They were never shaped in, um, in confidence, um, and, and, and identity, if you will, because when you're running through a a foster system, I mean, you you don't have the benefit and and the, the luxury, uh, of, of the luxury i will say i'll leave it at that you don't have the luxury of having of being able to identify with a lineage and that's i could stop the show right there that is a big deal in today's world that is a primary function of what is driving all of the narratives in today's world is a complete lack and abandonment and rejection of our identity as God-birthed individuals. Not to mention the lack of identity in our culture. Our culture of divorce, our culture of single motherhood, our culture of fathers not being in the home. That is a culture. That's not a race issue. That is a cultural issue. So with all of that, I connected some dots with this woman. And in my my view of what she did, didn't stop at, oh, look, it's another Democrat accusing a white guy of being a Trump supporter. You know, ha-ha, she got it wrong. No, I was really, I was very intrigued by her past in the fact that in the name, the name escapes me. There's a, there's a, there's a psychological term for it that escapes me. And I talked about it for the longest time on the air because I was just so enthralled with this whole concept because it's so right on target with this, with my spiritual uh, training as well. in in ministry training rather that, um, that you can shape personalities over time because your actual brain becomes altered So that that's all you're looking for is the negativity. All you're looking for is the offense. All you're looking for is someone to stab you in the back. All you're looking for is rejection and abandonment. Right? And I humbly believe and honestly believe that the only true healing for that is whenever God himself touches your mind and your heart and your wounds and those dark scary recesses of guilt, shame, abandonment, rejection, alienation, confusion, accusation, bitter, all of it. Where people failed you, God positively picks it up and can and wants to heal you. That is my fundamental belief, that that is his heart toward us as his creation. And I believe he does that through the power of his word. That's why I speak, even though it's risky to speak truth to you. It is worth the risk because Jesus Christ is our only hope. God is a good father and God wants to set the captives free. And he does that. By relating to us and with us through his son. That is my fundamental belief of my faith. I don't know if it's yours, but I bet you can look around your life. You can look at the relationships in your life and how you relate to people on social media. Please, please go read that piece on my LinkedIn profile. I will try to move it over to Twitter as well many of you follow me across mediums, please read it on on uh wokeism. It, it's not the dig that you might think it is on wokeism. There there's nothing uh colored about it, uh colorful about it. It is God, it is such a cerebral piece of honesty, uh, in how we got here and how none of it is by accident. And all of it is, is has been created through this vacuum of this social media paradigm. But it still has a profound impact on you and your children, our country, other nations, the entire world, and how we relate to one another. So a couple of fun things on the relationship topic. So, I posted something the other day, something that I've raised my daughter with this little Monica ism. We call them Mama isms here. Uh, Momicas. <laughs> Momica isms. Uh, my daughter's friends call me Momica. Um, but I always taught my daughter look here, how you get them is how you got to keep them. I 1000% stand by that. Now, I'm widowed. I've been widowed for 22 years. Uh, right? Yes, 22 years. <laughs> And uh, I raised my daughter on my own with the help of the Holy Spirit, for sure. And amazing, amazing people. And my father, God rest his soul, and my mom and um, friends, family, church, all of that. And it was a real poop show. It was a storm and a half, to be sure. I have stories. I wrote about a lot of them in my book, which you can find at my website. <laughs> Shameless plug. And, um, and I talk about the Lord and the cost of not thinking that he is enough. There's a very big cost to us as single women whenever we chase after waterfalls that are really just broken dams and empty cisterns. That's all they will leave us with, our emptiness. And so when it comes to relationships and dating, I do have some fun with this topic because, you know, you name it, I've probably experienced it. I think online dating is like the devil I'm getting. But for those of you who do it, it's something that I did many, 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 many years ago. And I actually still have friends from that experience because obviously nothing worked out. Um, I've never remarried since my husband passed away of ALS in 1999. And that was a horrifying experience. Um, and yes, I would love to be married. I believe in the construct. I think it's beautiful. I cannot wait to uh, fulfill the office and the, the privilege of carrying someone's name and honor um, and lineage and partnership and purpose, right? So that's what I wanted to talk about tonight is just kind of the purpose in, in dating, And every kind of dating you can think of, going off the rails, I've done it. Uh, You know, chasing, like I said, chasing after waterfalls. You know, no one has been celibate for the past 22 years. not even going to sit here and tell that lie. My nose would just grow through the screen. Um, But I will tell you this. I've learned a lot about the benefit of keeping your body that was bought and paid for by Jesus, right? By God through his son, by keeping that body sanctified. There's a very real blessing that comes with that. And there are very real issues that come with not doing that. And it may not come immediately in your relationship, but you will find more often than not that you do have major jealousy issues with couples who have gone down the sexual path before marriage. It's really interesting. That's just my experience. I'm not shaming you if you have. As I've said, I have not exactly been Queen Holy over here, so I get it. I'm not shaming anyone at all. Um, you know, I've I've sent the pictures. Yep, I know. It's awful. Uh, you know, I, yes. So there. You know, I rarely allow other people to shame me over stuff because I'm just very transparent with my crap, um, which is why I'm very verbose whenever it comes to calling other people out on their crap, especially whenever they're in a position of authority over us where it's like, no, dude, especially in the church, where it's like, uh -uh, uh-uh, we are called to judge one another in the church. Actually, it's right there in your Bible. Go read it. If more than 3% of the church read their Bible, they would also know that the Apostle Paul tells us to come together in marriage for sex frequently. Every time I tell couples that ministry, they're like, what the? I mean, the husbands are like, whoa, 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 whoa. Can can you go to that page like right now? (laughs) Can you highlight that page? Can we cut that out and put it in a frame? Can I, you know, send that to my wife? Like, can we just post that on our refrigerator? (laughs) It makes me laugh because Paul, you know, he knew what was up. And he was like, y'all need to come together as often as possible, except for the occasion of uh, fasting, uh, to do one thing, keep the enemy out of your bed. And I love what one of my closest and dearest and nearest friends, someone I love so much with all of my heart, says to me constantly, <laughs> who actually is married, um, and says, Monica, sex in a relationship, if it's good, it's only 20%, and if it's bad, it's 80 I'm gonna let y'all figure that out. <laughs> it's the 80-20 rule, right? And it's that way with anything in life. So how you get them is how you got to keep them. So being a single person, and especially at my age, okay, I'm 50 years old. So I know that I am not dating to bring a puppy home to train, right? I've already raised a child. So I'm not looking for a man child. I'm not looking for someone to change. I'm not looking for someone to raise. And something I notice and my, da- my daughter's married, something I noticed in her relationship and generation and with younger, and I noticed it myself. I was guilty of it too, uh, but younger women is, and and one of the benefits of, uh, if there is a benefit to being widowed, awful, uh, especially at 28 years of age, is that I have, and remaining widowed and single, I have watched so many weddings and births and communions and, and things go in, you know, bat mitzvahs and all this stuff go, go through. I have to say most of my Jewish friends are still married by the way, but I've watched so many things pass, including divorce after divorce, after divorce, right? So what fundamentally happens is that women absolutely marry men, date men, marry men thinking, okay, how can I change this? Right? Like he's like, you are the ultimate project, like house renovation one-on-one on whatever has has nothing on a dating young woman, nothing. I'm just going to tell you. So if they hate the way you dress, they can fix it. Like if there's anything wrong with you at all, men, women, legitimately are wired to believe that it is incumbent upon them to change it about you. And you know, this, you know, this inherently, which is why you rail against it. You rebel. You're like, hell no, we won't go. I'm not going to do it. You can't make me. I'm not going to get married. I'm going to stay single. I'm going to do the deal. I'm going to have hook up and just, you know, and, and hang out whatever the heck that means. And we all know what that means, but all of that, right? All that me, 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 I, I, I stuff. Cause you're trying to avoid the crucible of marriage. And I get it. I get it. I feel really bad for you because I've actually said to my daughter and I tried and I definitely am not that hovering mother-in-law. That's not me. I don't believe in that. It's very destructive. Leave and cleave, baby. But there are moments when I've seen some interaction where I'm like, okay, sister, I'm just going to tell you. I'm going to tell you like I did whenever he was dating you. How you get him is how you got to keep him. And how he got you is how he's going to have to keep you. And what you don't want to do is start talking down to your husband as if he's this puppy that didn't pee on the right piece of the pad. Or, you know, he didn't tell you he had to go out. Or he chewed a hole on the you know side of your rug or your couch. Um, or worse than a puppy. You know, like he's your child. He's your run at raising kids. Right? Like he's just someone else. And I'm going to tell you what happens after, after I don't know, probably 12, 15 years of marriage. Definitely if you're still in it at 20. Uh, but usually it hits around 8 to 12 years of marriage. I will have women come to me and say, in couples, in ministry, and say, okay, I can't take it another second. So I've got five children. And they really only have four. She's birthed four, but she has a husband. And that is exactly how she treats her husband. And the husband knows it. And so the husband usually takes the stance of either checking out in his recliner or playing golf more, drinking more, hanging out, has an affair. He's online at three in the morning watching things he shouldn't, you know, has a texting friend, has a, quote, work wife, give me a break. Um, You know, you name it. There's all kinds of stuff going on because or the dude is just so castrated that he's just, he has completely abdicated all authority that the Lord blessed him with from the foundations of man's creation in Genesis, which Adam did too. So I'm not hating on y'all, but God even held Adam accountable for the sin of the whole world. Talk about a burden. Holy crap. So it didn't, it was not counted as man to sin until Adam ate it sorry fellas and I know how much you love to blame women for everything and I hear you because you know we've earned it in a lot of cases we just have we can be dastardly dastardly creations I get it but by and large my late pastor raised us to believe that if you've got a crazy woman somewhere in the distance there was a man who did not cover her properly and if you're that guy if you're the father who's not relating to your daughter right now, or if you're the father who's too afraid to, to say something to your daughter about how she dresses or the crazy stuff you see her putting online, you're going to be held accountable for that. And I'd like to ask you to change course now because you're wrecking it for the rest of the world. And you're wrecking your daughter's soul by doing that. And I realize that many of you are married to very overbearing women who wear the pants in the family, and that is very tragic. And I'm very sorry that that is the order of your household. But you can get on your knees and pray to God and ask for forgiveness for not not standing in the order that He endowed you with to begin with and ask Him to help you turn the tide of that house around. And He will do it. Because as the father, what the Bible says is that many of your prayers are not answered because your house is not in order. And if your house is not in order, that's a big deal to God because you're the man. And so I want to encourage you guys if you're single, when you see these little red flags of chicks who are trying to change you or they make little comments about this, listen, it's very tempting. But even at my age, I've definitely learned, I've seen things in men that, you know, that I've dated or someone who I, who I might think would be a fabulous uh, partner and visionary in life. And if you're not dating with purpose in mind, then you just you should just get out of the game. Unless you're just out there hoeing around and doing your thing, and I understand that too, but and I'm certainly not here to judge you or condemn you for that. I just pray that the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you before something else does or someone else does that's not good for you and uh, and before your soul completely becomes barren. Um, but I I cannot stress enough that when you're single, please look for a partner or be open to partner on purpose. Because even my 25 year old daughter said this to her, her friends who are uh, preparing for engagement just the other night, we were all sitting around the fire pit and it was so, I was dumbfounded. I was like, wow, okay, good job, mom. Or thank you, Holy Spirit or both, but, or USC, if anything good comes out of that school these days, sorry, just my little hang up on the left coast. But, but my daughter says, she's telling her girlfriend who's her age is her best friend. And she says, listen, you guys need to have a purpose. If you don't have a common purpose, then forget it. You'll never make it. And her friends actually do have a common purpose in the equestrian world. And so they're equine folks. And they love anything equestrian. All things to do with horses. And that is a common, that's a common, common ground for them. And, it, and they do it professionally. So that's cool. So that's something that they enjoy doing together. It will keep them together. Even after children. And many of you hooked up because you're like, man, he's hot and she's fine. And we have great sex and our, you know, our family lineage and blah, blah, and all the pedigree and all that crap we tell ourselves in the South and, you know, all the money makers and all that. And we went to this school and we're all alum and everything's hunky dory, but you guys don't have a common purpose. And your purpose could be that you just have an amazing freaking marriage. Maybe that's your purpose. You wake up every day just thinking about how you can make that person's life better. Can you imagine the divorce rates if that's how we actually lived? That would be amazing. Oh, my gosh. And that's exactly what we're called to do, coincidentally. So if we could get up every morning, roll over, look at that that person laying next to you that sometimes you just want to smother, right? Like if that person snores one more time. If they do this one more time, I mean, listen, it's not all hunky-dory all the time. You know, they don't put the toilet seat down, or they do pee around the rim, or, uh, you know, they do drink a little too much during the week, or who knows, you know, they burp, or they, maybe all manners have gone out of your relationship too. That's another topic that I could spend an hour on Our manners whenever you're dating. Pay attention to these things. Pay attention to manners. If you're a man who values your testosterone and you take a woman out who does not want you to open the door, who is offended because you dressed up, yes, yes, I went out with a friend of mine recently who said, you're not going to believe this, this chick was super offended because I actually dressed up for the date. That is someone you should positively run away from. Don't walk Run, but wear those little shoes with a little rollers on the bottom the skates and eject those things and, and hit the road. You could not get away from that fast enough. Unless you're a dude who's like, you know, a little low on the T side and a little bit higher on the E side, and you're all about some skinny jeans and smoke jeans, and you like your chicks a little bit brazen and a little bit more buff than you, then go for that. But if you're listening to my show, you're probably the other team. So I'm just saying if you want a woman who's a woman, then you got to be a man. And if you want a man who's going to be a man, you need to be a woman. And many people were never taught how to be either. That's just absolute truth. We do not disciple people in faith, and we certainly don't disciple people in relationships. And I'm talking come alongside I'm not talking about just, oh, we went through six weeks of pre-marriage stuff. And yeah, we still love each other and the sex is still amazing. And there's no way I'm giving this up. And, you know, the invitation's already been sent out. And, you know, we've done it. And there's no way I can turn back now. My parents would kill me. All that stuff. Or maybe, you know, you're 40 and on your third mistake. I don't know. There's many, many of you out there like that. But I'm just telling you, the mistakes don't go away. You know, the red flags pop up. And until you start changing some of the things that are inside of you that keep bringing your attraction to other people. I'm not going to say you attract these folks. You are attracted to the thing that is inside of you that is being that is being fed. That is a spiritual truth if you've been rejected your whole life and you continue to date people who reject you, it's because you have a spirit of rejection. And even after that spirit is contended with in the spirit realm, even when you've been delivered from that, you can still have a personality of rejection until your literal mind is washed by the renewing of the mind with the water of the word until your anatomical brain mapping is changed so that you start to believe your identity and your value is exactly what God says it is, you're not going to, you won't be attracted to people anymore who have a propensity to run from commitment, who run from uh, confrontation, who run from problem solving, who run from being an absolute adult male or being an absolute adult female. And communication is key to every single relationship. Why do you think the government is after our ability to freely communicate? It is very easy for me to tie this whole bow around this conversation and go right back to the beginning of the show. Why do you think they want to take your ability to freely think and feel and communicate? Because there is power in fellowship. That's why we were told to continue to fellowship because there's power in that. There's discipleship in that. And I'm not talking about this fake-a-rony shirt, uh, church stuff, fake a church. Uh, I'm talking about, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure I almost said a cuss word there, but the Holy Spirit caught me <laughs> in the shirt. So, If you've been listening to me for any length of time, you know that that is part of my sanctification process is cussing. <laughs> God only knows I'm getting better. Oh my goodness, that's funny. But... I'm going to top this conversation off with this, um, communication and fellowship and discipleship. The church today, we're very afraid of each other. When someone asks how you're doing, they really don't want you to answer that. <laughs> They're like inwardly going, oh man, here she comes. You know, she's always got problems or I heard this and prayer, you know, the big, that we're going to have a, we're going to have a prayer meeting, really a gossip meeting in the name of prayer. Right. You know how that goes, especially in the South. And next thing you know, everybody knows your business in the name of prayer. Mm-hmm. And so whenever you see Susie walking down the hall or, um, or you know, Aletha, and she's walking down the hall or, or Shaquan or Tim, Joe, Bob, Bo, whatever, and you're like Charles, and you're like, oh, God, here they come, and remember what they said in prayer meet the other day. And so you're praying to God that whenever you go – How are you doing, brother so-and-so? How are you doing? How's it going with blah, blah? You're praying to God that they do not confess what's actually going on because you know why? You're ill-equipped and you don't have the love in your heart that you need for that person, nor do you have the patience or you have the mercy or the compassion or the empathy, the sympathy. You don't have any of that. You're not equipped. You're not equipped to meet people right where they are. So why are you at church? Why do you run through the earth condemning everyone else for their behavior whenever you're not equipped to love people exactly where they are with the love of Christ? That's called relationship. That is called discipleship. That is also called dating. That is called getting to know one another. I love this. I love this. I love this. And I hope that this is my reality one day. My late pastor, when he asked his wife to marry him, he said, will you marry me so I can date you for the rest of my life? I'm going to leave you with that. We'll, we'll circle back. Thanks, Jen. We'll circle back on this conversation, but I'm going to leave you with that. Can I marry you so I can date you for the rest of my life? Some of you guys are married. You should be dating each other constantly, consistently. Get up out of that bed and think about ways you can make that person's life sweeter, better, safer, more productive. Remember, dating on purpose, purpose, purpose. I'll be back tomorrow, God willing. Creek doesn't rise and all that stuff. (laughs) And And the CCP hasn't like taken over our country. All right, I love you guys. Be good to your neighbor, beginning in your own mirror. And remember, if you're an American, act like one.